So what is courage? I'll give you another definition later. But courage is grace under pressure. Grace under pressure. That's what I see as, as a simple definition of, of, uh, of, of, of courage. It's, it's looking and seeing and sensing that grace that comes when you're going through some really challenging times. And as we look at this passage in, in Joshua, we see that here Joshua is a man of courage. And we'll see how that happens. But the question here is, do you believe God desires you to have victory in your challenges? In the areas he's challenging you to take a step of courage, do you believe God will be with you to equip you to help you with that? Because this is where it starts in the life of Joshua, and this really is where it begins in our lives. It's your acknowledgement of who God is. So I want you to think this morning as we go through this thought, what is it right now that you're being challenged to take a step of courage in your life? What is it right now that God is calling you to take a step of courage? Because it is a call. And often it's not that easy to take a step on the unknown or the uncomfortable, especially when it comes to relationships. But God has chosen you to be the one to take the step of courage. He's chosen me to take that step too. As we look at the background before I read the first nine verses, here's Joshua Receiving the baton from God, from Moses. Moses was a godly man, a powerful leader. No one could match Moses, his leadership. He was called by God to take the nation of Israel 40 years. And here he is at the edge of the river, the crossing, which often is a symbol of change in the nation of Israel. When Israel crossed the river, it's change that takes place before and after. And as you follow the story of Joshua, you see the preparation of change that, you know, God is asking through Joshua for the people to take. And it's true for us. So the question is, you know, the courage that is needed in change resting on the, on the promises of God. And we see here that God calls Moses, uh, Joshua. I, I can only believe. I mean, here's Joshua who was you know, an assistant, a, you know, a compadre of Moses through all the journey in the wilderness here. Here's this real great man of God, and he dies before they cross over. He dies. God's work is going to still continue. He acknowledges that Moses was a great servant. But the baton passes on. And we see here, that Joshua was the one who had experienced courageous experiences with the nation of Israel. And the one I just give you out his numbers, you know, when he talks about, you know, when they went to scout the land, he, 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 he saw, you know, that there were, that it seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. In other words, it was totally overwhelming for Joshua at that point, when he saw what he saw. Sometimes a grasshopper complex, as Lutzer says, can keep us away from taking a step of courage. When you see this 
bigness or this big challenge that's be beyond you. See? And when we walk with God, He will challenge us to take the steps of courage for the next level of how He wants to use us. When I first came to our district, I was to set up and encourage Hispanic ministry. Why? It's simple. I speak Spanish. <laughs> you know, I've had Spanish churches. I've had Anglo churches all in California. Five of them, you know what I mean? So I, I know what it's like. You know, hey, I can do that. No problems. I came over to Iowa. Sure, I can handle that. A year later, he starts opening up the African ministry. It's kind of like I remember talking to God. God, I do not understand Swahili or the whole culture. You've got to be kidding. You know? So I kept on, you know, kind of walking away from God about that. And God keeps on bringing it forward, you know? And the uncomfortableness of taking that step and saying, okay, Lord, if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to do. And through that process, you know, God starts chiseling and molding and shaping us to be more like Jesus. But it's a step. So what is it that God is asking you? Often in the areas that you're not comfortable, that are unknown or difficult, whatever it is, he's asking you. Chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, just one page from, uh, from the last uh, section there uh, before Joshua 1. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. No prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unparable, unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent to him to do against the land of Egypt and Pharaoh. So here we have the example that the anointed one is, you know, Joshua, by the Spirit of God, to continue the work. Let's read these first few verses. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am given the Israelites. I have given you every, every place where the sole of your foot threads. You just as I promised Moses. Verse 4. Your territory will be from the wilderness uh, and Lebanon to the great Euphrates River and all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses, and I will never not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, verse 6, for you will uh, distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very, very courageous a second time to carefully observe the whole instruction by my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For when you will prosper and succeed whatever you do, haven't I commanded you, third time, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The first thing I see here is the call. It is a call to be strong and courageous. 
a call to be courageous. There is a change that takes place there. Uh, that it says very clearly. Uh, you know, he, he is calling him now you. You know, you, Joshua, are to be the one. You are the one I'm going to challenge this, uh, to take this step, you know, to, to, to go and to uh, uh, minister to the people, to continue my good work. See, I, I take that passage to say, God has begun a good work in you. And we'll see it to, to the day that he returns. Do you believe that? He's been... No. In our society, in our world, with all the negative stuff, sometimes it's hard to really put a handle on that and really believe that. Uh, we can beat ourselves up pretty badly. You know? Yeah, we're sinners. Yeah, we fall short. But by the grace of God, we are who we are in him. It's greater than that. See? And so I have to believe there's a purpose and a reason much greater than, you know, my limitations and my view. So where you live, you know, where you work, what happens in your life, relationships, circumstance, ministry, it's not a mistake. God is doing a good work in you. You believe that. So he wants to continue this good work. So here he's elevating, you know, Joshua to this height and this position to follow the great Moses. You know, the Moses. One of the things that's intimidating when you go to these expository conferences like I did last week is you're around pastors. And you have to share and put a sermon text together and present it in five minutes, kind of an outline form of it can be very, very intimidating because you're with your peers, you know? And you're wondering, well, yeah. And some of these pastors that are in the district that we have are great men of God who are great preachers, great preachers, far greater than I am, you know? So when you get into this group, you go, whoa, am I going to get this right? Am I going to get this wrong? You know, this, you go back and forth with this and you struggle with this. And when it comes down to it, you know what it is? It's really all pride. Isn't it? That's what it is. It's all pride. Well, I'm going to measure up to somebody. I'm going to do this. Or maybe I'm going to fall short. And you start this comparison stuff. You know? And so I learned that after my first conference, you know, that I went. This is my third. So when, I, when we have young guys come for the first time, we tell them, hey, God is doing a good work in you. He's chiseling, shaping you to who you are. And these are tools to encourage you, not to put you down. And some people interpret the script as a put down. You don't measure up. So, man, you're a loser. Dude, you just fell short. I can't believe you did that. And sometimes we have Christians who let you know that too. You know what I mean? Instead of we're all in process. See, to be more conformed to the image of Christ. We're growing. We're taking steps. And, of course, we are to encourage. One of the steps of courage is for you to come alongside another brother and sister and encourage him in that. Because we'll see what Joshua does. He encourages them in principles that God wants him to do. So sometimes that could be a little intimidating, a little hard, a little more difficult. See? But God wants to do that. 
Well, knowing that call, the call is not by itself left you there. God is then assuring you of the promises. He says, I don't want you to do this by yourself. Take these steps of courage and change in your life. I'm with you. And that's the next thing we see. We see a couple of things here that, uh, you know, it it, it comes about God's part. uh, You know, claiming these promises. But the promises we know, as we really know many of them in our, in our Bibles, is the issue of, are we going to accept them and believe them? Really? Do you know some of the promises of God? Which ones can you recite? Memory. We have Awana programs and things like that. We let little kids do all the verses and memorize all the scriptures, right? Great stuff about adults. Do you know a promise? I challenge you this week. Get a promise of God in the scripture and memorize it. Memorize it. And then the following week, maybe another one. And go on. Maybe put them on your walls, on your office, sticky notes, on your cars. Promises of God. They're yours in Christ Jesus. And so here, you know, God says to Moses really clearly, you know, in verse 3, I have given you every place where I just as I promised, I have given you the land. I've given you the promise, the inheritance. I told Abraham, a long time ago in Genesis 12, I was going to do that. So here it is. It's taken place. I'm giving you this, you know. So here's the promise. And in verse 5, you know, uh, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will stand with you. That's the power of God. Listen, when you read Joshua, it's not like, hey, take the land. No sweat. Easy. No, 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 no. You can claim you have the land, but you're going to have to go over there and take it. So there's an act of part, and sometimes it involves war and, and getting rid of some countries and people and whatnot, but no, you're victorious. Wherever you put your foot, you got it. It's claiming the territory. One of the things that we must continually do as a church is claim the territory for God. We have done that in this community. I was blessed to know there are prayer walks. You know, what is a prayer walk? Generally speaking, you're claiming God in that territory. You're not giving it up to the world or what it is. I've seen college campus kids get together and claim their campus. They walk the campus. You know, they claim the areas. I remember some going over to the gymnasium and saying, Lord, we claim this place for you. You know? Because the enemy wants to take it all. Claim it. Claim it. Claim the power of God in your home. Hey, you got a rebellious teenager? You know? Who wants to do their own thing away from God or whatever? Claim your home for God. See? Claim it. It's yours. It's happening. It's it. Just claim it. Take that position because he is with you. He will stand with you. And then the third, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you. 
So in the process of that, sometimes when I teach, you know, the principles of sharing your faith, evangelism, got all these labels and stuff like that, you know, we really should simplify it. Just talk to people about your faith in Christ, about your relationship with God. That's all. You know, you don't have to get, get all these things. Just, just share what God is doing in your life with somebody else. That's all. Very simple. As a, as a, as a process of going, don't come what thou sayest in Romans 3.23. You know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The dude is saying, what? I didn't know that I was sinning. It goes that verse out the window. You know what I mean? If the dude or the person doesn't think that they're sinning, well, so much for that. You know? Why don't you tell them about your victory? See? And how God gave you victory of the sin in your life. See? Just tell them. Share. But this, this, this courage of telling, I'm terrified. We, you know, we raised hands and says, how many of you are going to share your faith in Christ this week? You know what I mean? We're kind of terrified. Break. Well, this is where courage comes in. It's not you. It's the power of God in and through you to share the love of Christ with someone else. And when I rest on that, then, man, it's no sweat. Because God is with me. You know what I mean? And you go with a loving heart for the character of God to share your love with somebody else, they'll see that. He's not some Bible-thumping dude who's coming over here and hammering me with the Bible. No, he's sharing me the love of Christ. See? But we're kind of, uh, I got to believe. He's with me. He never leaves me or forsakes me. So it's the fighting, the battle of these truths and these promises comes with the idea of attitudes, you know, of past experiences, of willfulness, whatever it is, in our lives. And Hebrews talks about that in Hebrews 13, 5, a familiar passage to many of you, but again, it's reiterated here from the life uh, of the movement of the Old Testament people in the life. Your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will, not st- I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So the, the author of Hebrews has got it. He's got it. He's going back to the Old Testament. See? The Lord's not going to forsake me. See? And I got it now, and he can help me. He will guide me in whatever area of my life. You know, it's kind of like, can I trust him in that? You know, can I trust him? You know? When we went to California, I went to California. Susan didn't go with me because she wasn't feeling well, but I went to California. And one of the persons is certainly to see my, my mom, but I have two or three churches that support us and about four or five people that support us personally. So I try to make it once a year there to contact and, you know, have some fellowship with our with dear folks and that are really just very kind. Well, it was my sister's birthday. So please don't lo- lose your sanctification about what I'm going to say, Okay. It's my sister's birthday. We're all together as family. You know what I mean? And we are Latinos. Latinos and music go hand in hand. Okay? You've got to have the music. You just have to. 
So, it was good. Con el merengue otra vez. You know, we're dancing with my sisters. We're having a ball, having a great time celebrating my sister's birthday. And she has some friends. And we're just having a, a great time. But we dance. Okay, we dance. All right? Well, we dance about 1.30. That was the sin. Why was it a sin? Because I had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, see, to drive to up north to see, to be at the church service at 10. And I got there 5 to 10, you know, and, and, you know, and, you know, and then come back down and see the families, you know, it's just four and a half hours from north of Los Angeles all the way down, see? So when I, when I come to this verse of God being with us and helping us, even though we're not the wisest in our choices and decisions, he is still faithful. I got back to my sister's house at 1 o'clock in the morning. What? I, re- I rejoiced with my brothers and sisters last Sunday at the church there. Came and touched some bases with some people. Was able to encourage somebody. Stayed a little bit longer with one particular family. I wasn't expecting this. They started talking to me. How's it going? I said, how's it going, guys? Well, Louis, we've got to talk to you about that. I think my mom is getting signs of Alzheimer's. I said, Ooh, I know about that. See? You know, so I wasn't expecting that. But it took an extra hour, an hour and a half to spend some time, courage, and pray with them. You see? Meanwhile, I'm still looking at two and a half hours to L.A., and the time is going. I said, God, i got to trust you. You know? You are the helper. You're the one who will give me the energy. And he did. Got home, got to my sister's house at 1 o'clock, Praise God, his mercy was sufficient, and he showed me this. But he's a God who never leaves us. The promises are in him and in Christ Jesus for our lives today. Second point is, to be courageous, we need to go back to the basics. We need to go back to the basics. And here in verses 6 through 9, he lays it out. Why does he lay it out? Because the nation of Israel had a tendency to forget the basics, the covenant law, the truths, and obey it. And so the basics are basics. And when I played basketball, you know, and baseball and football, you know, I remember I was coached by the old method of John Wooden in basketball. And he said the whole idea of the game is to make a layup or dunk one. You know, that's it. That's the whole kind of strategy. Get closer to the basket and make it if you can. So he drilled layups until we're seeing in our sleep. And if you did a bad play or something, you got another, you know, run layups. You know, run the, the line, and, you know, layups, layups. Everything was a layup. Well, man, we got pretty good, you know. But when it came close to the layup, we didn't miss any, many, see, because we were pretty good. But the drill, the basics, he kept on doing the, the basics. And even when I hear today, I read, you know, some books by some athletes and whatnot and coaches, they, they just go back to the basics. It's still fundamental in sports. And I thought, so fundamental in business, so mental, fundamental in sports, so men, fundamental in school education. My sisters are both, one is a principal, one is a teacher. Such basics, you know, get the basics down. And when we don't, mm, it's a no-brainer. It really isn't. I spent two hours with my sister, a principal, in, in the all L.A. school district. 
She says, you won't believe what they're doing down there. She is so upset about the systems that they're trying to incorporate. And she says, they're getting away from some of the basics. You know? That's what happens some of the problems. So when we come to here, he, he's laying out the basics. And he says the first one repeats three times is be courageous or be strong and courageous, focusing on the person of the promises of God. He repeats it three, three times. Be strong and courageous. Be very courageous. Be strong and courageous. And it gives you the purpose behind each one. So what is courage? Hey, here's a couple of definitions. Bravery, valor, fearlessness, confidence, nerve, guts, you know, backbone, whatever you want to use as, as kind of concepts of courage. David faced it with Goliath. Daniel's three bros faced it in a fiery furnace. Elijah faced it against the 450 prophets, you know. Job faced it in all his tragedies tragedies. And now Joshua is going to face it as he comes in with the nation of Israel to the promised land. Oswald Sanders says, says this, courage is that quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger or difficulty with firmness or without fear or depression of spirit. A highest degree of courage is seen in the person who is most fearful but refuses to capitulate to it. In other words, there is a reality of some of the un unknowns that we're going to take a step of faith in that causes us to be a little fearful. I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to, you know, all these questions that come up. So that's a human part of who we are. But you take that and you say, I've got to put it behind and really trust God in his promises. So courageous strength. The second one is careful obedience. In verse 7 he says that, Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded. Referring to the covenant, referring to the law. To us, it's the word of God. The whole instruction of Moses. Here it is. The Pentateuch, five books, and now Joshua, the Bible. You know, as, as Pastor Jeremy and I were going back to the basics in expository preaching, you know, the challenges of the speakers that they tell us is sometimes you get tempted to copy other people, the formats, uh, all the technology, you know, that is available to us and all of that. You get in the progressive mode of a presentation, and sometimes you can get away from the actual depth of the Word of God, see? And there's... He, and the, the, the speaker was kind of warning us to, to remain faithful to the Word of God, to be careful in the balance of all things, but to read it, to study it. And so it's kind of the idea of really being faithful. And when you study the minor prophets, as we did, there were people, the nation of Israel, who just went away from God's truths. That's it. They just... We're not obedient, simply. And the prophets break it down as to where they were. And that's what happens. We will not see as a, the whole concept of this uh, thought of, of, of studying the Word of God is to be successful. To successful in what? 
successful in the principles and promises that God has for us. If you will not go back to the basics, we will not achieve the goals of the purpose. In this case, was going to the promised land and inherit it. In any other situation, it might be a goal of achievement of winning as a team or whatever. But the point is that we can get away from that. And it's a sobering truth when you study the book of Habakkuk and Malachi as we did this past week to see how real the settings are for today's world. It's as if they were writing in the 21st century when you study that. It was sobering to look at that. It's been a while since I've really looked at Habakkuk, you know, as a pastor and, and studying and preaching and a, a Bible study. You know, it's been a long time. And I looked at that and go, whoa, is this for today? Yeah, it is. And that's where the joy comes. When we follow the truth, he blesses us. He makes us successful in areas of our lives. He breaks it down then to be consistent. Not only to know that, but verse 8 then, be consistent. The book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. So here we go. The idea of being consistent. My, as a, as Indianapolis, our kids have moved to Indianapolis. Uh, son-in-law David took on a new job. And so they're there getting settled. That was one of the things we helped uh, this summer in moving them there. Uh, the girls, uh, 15 and, and 13, uh, they're great students and great athletes. They're on the swim teams and what? So they moved from North Dakota, okay, Fargo, to Indianapolis, a bigger system, you know, a bigger swim team, and major expectations, a high level of Division I, top-notch, four or five years of championships. So they know this before they start school in September or in August. And so I started talking to them about what that meant because I experienced that, you know. And so I said, well, girls, this is, this is some of the things you're going to have to be ready First of all, the level is going to be higher. See, So they didn't do so much of the calisthenics and uh, what they call dry land, you know, in Fargo as they do here in Indianapolis. And the first week, the girls could barely make a pull-up, you know, just to get. But they had to do five or six. And some of these, you know, uh, fellow athletes, they would, and they could just barely, they would come home with their arms sore and everything. And to make a long story short, their coach believed in drilling the basics. Yeah, he had them in the water, but to drill the basics bodily, all body type of energy, push-ups, things like that, not weights or anything, but natural stuff. So they had their first championship last, last, last week, last weekend. So we went to see and whatnot. They knocked off seconds on all their events. You guys who know swimming, seconds is a lot of time, you know, to knock off if you're a swimmer. They knocked seconds. They were so excited about that, so thrilled about that. And we were rejoicing together about that. I said, well, what is it? Well, it's getting up and going every day at 5.30 in the morning, Swimming before classes, swimming till 6.30 at night, every day, and Saturday from 8 to 10. 
that is a grueling schedule. I'm not too excited about that. You know what I mean? But that's what their team and coach expects. A higher level. But the achievement of the success was a lot of seconds off their time. The principle is still the same. The more we spend time here, as Joshua tells us and instructing us, in the Word of God and being consistent, we will be stronger, more courageous to take the steps God is asking us to take. And that's a parallel right there. Simple. That we see it. Another passage in Hebrews is in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are the household if we hold on to the courage and the confidence of our hope. We are the household. Holding on to that. Christ. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus personally? Everybody knows about Jesus intellectually in this world. You know, you ask people, you know about Jesus? Oh, yeah, something about Easter, something about whatever. They'll give you a little bit of that, you know. But I don't believe that stuff, they'll say. You know, whatever. It's your religion. My question to you is, do you know Jesus personally? Not about him. Information about him. Are you getting in the process of experiencing your relationship with him? The basics are fundamental to your relationship with Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose again on the third day for all of our sins. All we have to do is acknowledge that truth, that those basic fundamentals of the gospel, and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and take control of my life. Forgive me for doing my own thing. Come. I want a relationship with you. That's it. That's all you have to do. Acknowledge who he is. Fundamentally, what he did for you. And say, Lord, I want a relationship with you. That's it. And he says, you got it. I promised. I promised. I would love you. I promised. I would give you direction in your life, purpose in your life. I promise I will never leave you no matter what. I promise I will help you to make things right in your life as you come in process of knowing me. I will give you the wisdom. I will give you the knowledge. I will give you the hope so that you will see the power, my power, in you working through you to give you victory. It's your choice. It's all of our choices. In closing, for us to be courageous then in change, because they will call change, God's part. Promise, His power, and His presence. That's what we claim. And two, maintain our part of a courageous strength, that grace under the pressure. Claim it. Be careful to obey everything then you will be successful. And last, be consistent in God's word. God's word. 
What I've been doing lately is I've been teaching our ethnic people simply how to read the Bible as a story narrative method. And I've simplified Bible study or getting to know God through the Word with the simple four-question story. And this is it. I'll give it to you. Read a story in God's Word. Ask, what does it say about God and what does it say about Jesus? Two, what does it say about the people in the story? What does it say about them? Three, because of this story, what is God asking me to do and change in my life? Because of the story. Fourth, tell somebody the story. That's it. Don't get into any theological discussion or anything like that. Just tell them the story. And then we come back next week, somebody tells the story. And the blessing I have been experiencing in the last eight months is that some of our Spanish people have been telling the story. The story that they learned. Whatever it is. So if you take the stories of Joshua and read it, chapter 2, the story of Rahab, read the chapter. Get into the story. What is it talking about God? What is it talking about Rahab? And because of that, what is God asking me to do? That part that God is asking you to do in a practical, you know, transformation area in my life is the part that you share with somebody else. Or share the story. I also challenge you to tell your kids a story. We have devotionals. We have all those things. Yeah, they're great. Don't misunderstand me, and I've done it, and I would encourage you to keep on doing it. But once in a while, pick up the Word. Tell the story, and then read the story. And ask the kids, hey, what do you think? That's it. And they'll throw out all kinds of stuff. You stay with the text. Stay with the story. It's simple. You can do it any time, as Deuteronomy says, in the morning, middle of the day, in the afternoon, it doesn't matter. Just tell the story. So I challenge you. Are you reading the story? Can you take five minutes? Five minutes. Start the discipline. That's it. We all have five minutes. We have more. But if you haven't done it, make a commitment right now. I challenge you. Make a commitment right now. To spend some time in God's Word. Simply open the Word. That's all. And read it. And talk to God about it. And you will be blessed. You will see how God will give you far more courage in your life. And strength. And victory. As a believer in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For the example of Joshua. My, what an undertaking to follow a great man of Moses. And our call is to follow you. Overwhelming, Lord. And we know we need you because we can't do it by ourselves. So I pray that you will continue to help us. To hone down the basics, Lord. To get back to that. To, to encourage one another. Maybe even find people who will hold us accountable, whatever it is, just to spend some time with you through your word. And we thank you, Lord. As you promised, you will never leave us nor forsake us. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.